Shedding Shackles is sponsored by Roland Trujillo. This is Greg. I live in San Leandro. Okay, my question is this. Whatever happened to Punch's pilot after Christ died? This is Greg. Okay, my question is this. Will Adam and Eve go to heaven? God bless. You're doing a good job. Welcome to Shedding Shackles. Today's topic is, it's never too late. And now, here's your Shedding Shackles host, Roland Trujillo. Hello everybody, welcome. This is Roland, I'm your host for Shedding Shackles. I've been on the air now for over 33 years, and my message is one of hope, because Christ came to liberate people, liberate them from whatever has them in bondage. Now, I would like to begin today's program with uh, some questions that came in from, uh, actually from Greg in San Leandro. Let's hear the questions. Okay, my question is this. Whatever happened to Punch's pilot after Christ died? This is Greg. Will Adam and Eve go to heaven? God bless. You're doing a good job. Very good questions, Greg. First of all, let's talk about uh, Pontius Pilate. Whatever happened to Pontius Pilate? Well, we don't know. We don't know. But we do know one thing, that if he didn't later in life realize what he had done and be sorry for it, really, really, really sorry, then he will go the way of all flesh. We've all had our chances, and most of us have uh, have failed. In fact, it says in the Bible, all have fallen short of the glory of God. So Pontius Pilate, he was a company man. He was a corporate man. And he also lived by public opinion. And he was afraid that if he made these local leaders mad at him, they would go to Caesar and say that uh, he wasn't doing his job. And so he went ahead and did the wrong thing. Of course, it was all part of God's plan. But uh, nevertheless, he did the wrong thing. And uh, he went with public opinion. He didn't want to rock the boat. He went along to get along. He towed the line so he could reach for the, what do they call it, the brass ring and hang on to all of his perks. Well, how many of us have not spoken up and not done the right thing because we we didn't want to lose out on some cushy relationship that we had or some perks that we had. And so he was destined to go the way of all flesh unless he had a change of heart, and we don't know whether he did or not. But now let's talk about Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. Did Adam and Eve go to heaven? Well, you know what? I think that there's a very good chance that they will go to heaven. Now, why do I say that? It's because you will remember 
that, that Adam and Eve lived in paradise, they were, in a sense, they were like children. It was like when you were a little child and life was sweet. Mommy and Daddy took care of everything and all you had to do was play. It was beautiful. Well, Adam and Eve were assaulted by the devil. And he is very clever, very, very clever. And Adam and Eve had no idea what they were getting into. They had zero idea. They had no idea. And they made the mistake. But their mistake resulted in lots of people being born and made possible the magnificent story of redemption and that one day Christ would come and there's a good chance that God will at the very end make a little provision for them because uh, they didn't know what they were getting into. That brings up something interesting and that is that God is very forgiving. He's very forgiving. As a matter of fact, God describes himself in Exodus 34 when he passed in front of Moses and allowed Moses, you remember, to see his his back. He described himself as compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness and rebellion and sin. God describes himself as gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love. So, God is very gracious and He's very merciful. Do you have a question you'd like Roland to answer? If so, call the listener call-in line at 510-455-8851. That's 510-455-8851. Leave your name, the city you're calling from, and your question. God is very gracious and he's very merciful. An example of, uh, of that would be Peter. Do you remember Peter? He denied Christ three times. Do you remember? He denied Christ three times. And the third time when he, then he denied Christ, the rooster crowed and he remembered what Christ had said, that before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he realized what he had done, and he wept. He wept. And I am quite certain that he was sorry. He was sorry for what he had done. But then later, you will remember when Christ came back after the resurrection, he asked Peter three times, do you love me? And Peter answered three times, yes, I love you. And Christ said, feed my sheep. And then at the very end, Christ said that Peter would be taken and carried somewhere that he didn't want to go. And I think he was probably predicting Peter's death for his testimony and witness to the gospel, of course. And at the very end of, of that, Christ said, follow me, follow me. So, 
He asked him three times, and many people feel that in that way, he was he was countermanding or taking away the three times that Peter had denied him. So Christ was showing God's mercy by making a way for Peter to to countermand or to uh, to undo what he had done. And then Peter further undid what he had done by witnessing and feeding Christ's sheep. And then Peter was killed for his witness. And in the beginning, remember, Peter had been afraid for himself. He was afraid that they would crucify him also if they discovered that he was with Christ, so he denied Christ. But at the very end, even that was undone because he overcame his fear. He witnessed for Christ. He showed God gracious forgiveness. And he died for Christ. He un- was given a chance to undo what he had done. Now, I want to make the point that, that God is very forgiving. And I want to say that it's never too late. It's never too late to be sorry and to have a change of heart. And if you do, if you are sorry, and being sorry, it's like a sad glad. Finally, you realize you're wrong. And how do you realize you're wrong? You realize it in God's light. In his light, you see quietly privately, you see you're wrong, and it makes you sad. You regret what you see about yourself, but it's a helpless sadness. You realize you can't change yourself, and you're just sad, and you regret what you see. And it says in the Bible, God does not despise a contrite heart, and God sees your regret, and he forgives you. And then You wipe away the tears, and joy returns. So it's a sad lad. You're sad to see you're wrong, but you're glad to see it. You want to come clean. Maybe for a long time you wanted to come clean, and finally now you come clean, and you sob, and you weep. And then you wipe the tears from your eyes, and you go out in the world, and go about your business as a mom or dad or a worker or a student, whatever you are. And life goes on, but now you have a new resolve, and you sense that God has forgiven you. And then something very beautiful happens. You will continue on your way, and you will see other wrongs, and quietly you will be sad about what you see, and God forgives you. And the days go by, and the weeks go by, and the months go by, and you will be given opportunities to undo what you had done, not opportunities that you create for yourself, but ones that just happen. Maybe once someone, you were phony with them, and you you treated them like dirt, and now an opportunity comes with the same kind of person, and this time you treat them with dignity, You treat them with dignity. And the opportunity comes to undo what you had done. You see? 
And it's very nice. So God will make those opportunities happen. And all you have to do is just go about your life. And God will upgrade you and he will change you ever so gently. And you'll wake up one day and you'll realize that the things of the past are like a distant memory, almost as if they didn't happen. All that's left is a beautiful present and hope for the future. I hope you don't have to give yourself. So now I think I've made my point that God is very gracious. In fact, he is so gracious that he sent Christ. He sent his son and he sent his son to set us free from whatever it is that has you in bondage now. So, I'm going to take a little break and then I'll be back to talk about more about finding freedom. And what is freedom? In a large, to a large extent, it's finding emotional freedom. Just a brief word. My name is Roland. Yes, I'm a pastor. But I'm a non-denominational pastor. I'm a man with a microphone. I don't have any organization you belong to. I'm like an itinerant, what am I, an itinerant preacher. I preach for a while here, and then I preach for a while there. And as the years have passed, I've been all over the country on the radio, coast to coast. And I've given people a chance. I've given them a chance to take a look at their resentments, their angers, their lack of commitment to what's right, and to have a change of heart about it. That's what I do. And that's what I, by the grace of God, will continue to do. You're listening to Shedding Shackles. Visit our website where you can order any of Roland's books, Watch Roland's video lectures, or make a donation using safe and secure PayPal. Go to SheddingShackles.com, SheddingShackles.net, or SheddingShackles.us. Are you experiencing stress, anxiety, or unhappiness? Do you feel weighed down by the past? Stay tuned for a special message from Roland Trujillo, host of the Shedding Shackles radio program. For over 25 years, Roland Trujillo has been helping people shed the shackles of unhappy memories, consisting of upset, hurt feelings, and negative emotions that bind them to the past. Over the years, many people have listened to and benefited from Roland's positive message. Perhaps you too can discover the secret to becoming free from the past and moving forward to live a new life of joy and purpose. And now, here's your Shedding Shackles host, Roland Trujillo. Hello everyone, this is Roland. And today, I want to talk about emotional freedom. This morning, I sat down at the computer to do a little bit of typing. And I was typing away about emotion, and all of a sudden, I saw what I had never seen before. I see that the problem that we have is that we are enslaved. We are not free. Christ said, all who sin are slaves. And I want to explain it to you. And Christ also said, who the Son of Man sets free 
is free indeed. Set free from what? Set free from being enslaved. So, what are we enslaved to? Well, let's start with our emotions. Emotions enslave us. When you become a, look, if you allow yourself to be, to get upset by little things, irritated by this and that, made nervous by this and that, made angry by this and that, if you cannot control yourself in the small things, then how can you possibly control yourself in the big things? You can't. And so you are out of control. Your emotions are out of control. If you get angry at a little bit of slow traffic or you get nervous because there's a little delay and so on and so forth, then you're out of control emotionally. You cannot not become emotional. If someone comes up and calls you a jerk, what are you going to do? You're going to get angry and upset and resentful. You have very little, practically zero control over your emotions. And the way you manage your emotions is, first of all, you avoid the situations that will upset you. You know things that will upset you, so you avoid those situations. And you avoid confrontations with people. And at the office, if they dump a bunch of work on you, then you just sheepishly say yes, because you know that if you try to stand up to them and say no, you're going to get all upset. But you're still upset underneath anyway, because you resent the work. You see what I mean? So you're still upset. You're just keeping it inside. So you carefully manage your associations, the places you go, the things you do. You have your strategic pill or your strategic drink or your strategic marijuana or your strategic food or your strategic music, all in an effort to try to make your environment so that you won't get upset. But the truth of the matter is that no matter how carefully you manage it, you become upset anyway. And then you know what happens? You become upset by your thoughts. You could go to a tropical... I once heard a man say this. You could go to a tropical island and be sitting on the beach and the weather's 70 degrees and the sun is shining and everything is beautiful. And you would sit there and then you would start thinking about what somebody said to you or what somebody did to you. And before you know it, you'd be all upset or you'd be worried about something. So your emotions enslave you. Now, to be free, what would it mean to be free of emotions? I'm, I'm focusing on emotions now. In my writings, I went into great depth. I, I hope you'll be able to, to find it. It should be in a new book that I'm writing, or possibly I'll put it in the latest newsletter. But on this program, I have to keep everything simple. I can't go into the depth that I do when I write. But I can say that what would emotional freedom be? What would it look like? It would simply be not becoming emotional. Do you understand? If you are not emotional, you are free of the emotion, free of the upset, free of the anger, free of the irritation, free of the nervousness, free of the worry, free of it all. That would be freedom. So now I think you can see that freedom begins as a state of mind. 
you have to find a state of consciousness where you are not. So what's the other aspect then of this enslavement? So our emotions enslave us. But there's a state of mind that's called hypnosis, and 99.9% of people are walking around in a hypnotic trance all of the time, various levels. And in that hypnotic trance, it's a form of enslavement. They become enslaved to minutia. In other words, how can I say this? They don't get the big picture. Instead of getting the big picture, they get caught up in some detail. Now, you know people like that, that they get caught up in some little detail. Well, that's a form of enslavement, to be enslaved to details. And all of us, 99.9% of us, we get enslaved to one detail or another. We get caught up in personalities. We get caught up in, in words, enslaved to words and to what the words tell you to do. Enslaved to personalities, enslaved to thought, enslaved to circumstances, which we already said, you know, upset us, form a memory. And you find people going back over and over again to the same type of, they marry the same type of man, someone like their dad. They hated their dad, then they marry a man just like their dad. Or they have a little bit of problems, and then they go back to the alcohol bottle. And then they get off, they go on the wagon for a while, and then they go back to the alcohol bottle. And, if, and then if it's not the alcohol, then it's the drug. And if it's not the drug, then, then they're enslaved to some, to some group or some organization or something. We are constantly enslaved to everything. And the way people try to set themselves free from one thing, which they really don't, is to enslave themselves to something else. So if you're sitting around enslaved to worrying about one thing, then you try to think about something else. So you try to involve yourself in in a in a video game or in a move or a movie or in work or something. But then you in, you're enslaved to that. Then to set yourself free from work, you try to do something else, or you or you quit your job. But then you're enslaved to unemployment. You see what I mean? And that that whole process. Some people they're enslaved to their wife or their husband. So then they try to escape by going to another. <laughs> another woman or another man, and they become enslaved to that one. And then to be set free from that one, they have to become enslaved to another one. So the hypnotic state of mind, the emotional state of mind, the sin state of mind, now do you, now do you see it? It's to be enslaved to everything. And so being free means to not be enslaved. So it starts with a state of mind. So you have to become dehypnotized. And what about what's a fixation? It's an enslavement. What's a compulsion? It's an enslavement. Even the body, you know, I was writing this morning and I noted that there was once a man who said, this man had a mental, so-called mental disorder. He was very perceptive. And he said, it's one thing, you know, to not say no when people make a demand, for example. It's one thing not, not to be not to be able to say no to people's demands. But he said it's another thing to be incapable of saying no. Do you get it? He's enslaved. He can't say no. And incidentally, uh, is it any surprise that people who are who are um, 
possessed when there is an exorcism. Um, there comes a time when finally they're free to say yes to wanting to be free, to be able to say, yes, I'm wrong. To be willing to say, yes, I want to be free. I want it to leave. To be willing to say, yes, they're incapable up until that point. It's a, po it's a point of, um, oh, what's the word? It's a crisis point, but it's a point where they suddenly become, can become free. They suddenly have the freedom to say yes. They couldn't say yes to God. They couldn't say yes to being sorry for, you know, having hated people and whatever they did. They couldn't say yes. They couldn't admit they were wrong. And now suddenly they're free. They now are able to say yes to God and no to the dark force. Do you see? So what happens? What has happened? God has set them free. Christ has set them free to be able to say no to the dark force and yes to God to move away from the dark side. So I'm just giving you a little hint so to get you started thinking along these lines, I want you to see that that all of your nostalgia, all of your feelings that you have about this and feelings about that, and all of it, what is it? It's enslavement. So you have to gradually get to the point where you can let things go. Let things go. No, it doesn't mean you have to go throw everything away, or it doesn't mean you have to give all your stuff away and go live on the street. It doesn't mean that. But it means you have to have a new attitude. And the attitude comes, who sets you free then? Who will set your mind free? I said it's a state of mind. Paradise begins as a state of mind. Emotional freedom begins as a state of mind. Who makes it possible for you to have a free consciousness? It's Christ. It's God and His Son. So I'm going to say it, young people, don't resent your parents. Don't resent anybody. Yeah, maybe they did you wrong. Maybe maybe they're, they're not saying a good example for you. Maybe they're mean. See it, but don't resent them. Don't resent them. Because if you don't resent them, then you'll be safe. You will be able to grow to be your true self, and you will be able to find all the blessings that are available. But if you're resentful, it blocks you. Christ said, forgive others. He said, if you, if you can't forgive the person that you can see, then how can you find your Heavenly Father who you can't see? You have to forgive other people. And now you know what forgiveness is. It's don't resent them. So it's all very simple. We love by not hating. We love by not using. And thereby we receive God's love. Until next time, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. I'll see you then. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Shedding Shackles with your host, Roland Trujillo. Now you can listen to Roland anytime by logging on to www.sheddingshackles.com.
You'll find lots of free, helpful information, and you can also order materials or make a donation by using your credit card. Once again, the web address is SheddingShackles.com. Shedding Shackles is sponsored by Roland Trujillo.